A joyous celebration was in full swing in the tiny Ewok village. Each of the families was together again. May stepped outside, took Isrina out of his pocket, and softly said goodbye to the tiny glow. Sindel joined him, and Mace took his sister's hand. You know, these furry little guys are pretty special. They split up their own family to help us find ours. You know, I'm glad we crashed here. Wicket slipped his paw into Mace's hand. <laughs> At last, Sindel and Noah could go home. As the Ewoks gathered around the Star Cruiser, Sindel hugged Wicket. You're my best friend. I'll be back. Noah said goodbye to Teak, then took Sindel's hand. It's time to go. They climbed into the Star Cruiser. Wicket and Teak stood together and watched as the ship rose through the trees and streaked across the sky. That was the end of the story. Points is Jason and this is Gabe, and it's still Ewok month. Tonight's continuing fantasy adventure of Sindel and the Ewoks contains some scenes of suspense and jeopardy which may be too intense for very young viewers. Parents are encouraged to watch with their children. Lucasfilm presents the Ewok adventure next. The tiny forest moon of Endor is home to a race of small furry creatures known as Ewoks. Just like the trees are tall on Endor, Ewok month is long. That's really true. So we're we're climbing to the top of the big redwood trees on Endor, and we might we're almost like to where the Ewok village is, and then we can take a little break here, and then next week we we climb to the summit at the top of the of the leaves, <laughs> where, the, where only the Gorax has view. Yeah. This is a very special episode of Ewok Movie Month because we're talking number one about the legacy of the Ewok films, because people say that they're myths. People say they're not canon. They don't matter. 
But we're saying maybe they do. Because <laughs> there's a lot of evidence out there that what happens in the Ewok movies doesn't stay in the Ewok movies. The Endor magic has spread through every part of Star Wars. And even things that aren't Star Wars. There's Endor magic out there everywhere. Its magic has dripped out of your TVs and infested the real world. And this is a very special episode. Because throughout this episode, you are going to be hearing true stories from listeners who are Ewok movie fans. People that love the fantasy adventures of Sindel and the Ewoks. We're going to be hearing real stories from real people. And later in the episode, there's going to be a special surprise from our friends at Talking Bay 94 with a special interview that you're not going to believe. So we've got a lot to go over. We should start at maybe like one of the most obvious things from the Ewok films that has spilled out into other Star Wars things. Yeah, this is the most infectious thing from the Ewok films that has spread throughout multiple Star Wars iterations over the years. And that is everyone's favorite beast of burden, the Blurg. So the roots of the Blurg come from The Empire Strikes Back. Phil Tippett doing drawings for the Tauntaun. You can see it in the Art of Empire Strikes Back book, page 16, down in the bottom left corner. There's a little pencil drawing of a little dude sitting on a little booger horse. It's the Blurg. That was the first Blurg 40 years ago. <laughs> then, of course, we saw the Blurg again later in The Magnificent The Battle for Endor. And then I, I feel like the next time the Blurg showed up, it was kind of under the radar. I feel like a little bit. Well, there definitely, I don't think there was any, any fanfare. They didn't have like a press conference to let everybody know that Blurgs were back. In 2009, yeah, Blurgs showed up in the Clone Wars episode, Liberty on Ryloth. And they made us wait because that was, it was the last arc of the season. I think there was one or two more episodes after that. Oh no, it was the second to last one. So if you were a Clone Wars fan that first season and you stuck with it, that was your prize. A big giant Blurg cake. <laughs> then the Blurgs showed up again in Rebels, uh, the episode Hera's Heroes. Here's the question, though. We got Clone Wars, we got Rebels, Blurg showing up. Then later, of course, well, yeah, they're in The Mandalorian. And in that Disney gallery, Dave Filoni's talking about how Borg keeps showing up in these things that he does. I think he was playing it a little innocent there with trying to say that, oh, I, I don't know why these Blurgs keep showing up in everything I do. If, if only he had, you know, he was in some position on these shows to make sure there were no Blurgs. Well, it's funny, too, that they, they kind of at least for Clone Wars and Rebels, I guess justified it by it's a thing that the Twi'leks like because it at least they brought them back. I think wasn't it another episode with uh, Hera's dad and he was riding them in Clone Wars. So he tried to be smooth and, and make it seem like, well, they had to come back because it made sense, not just <laughs> Dave Filoni's secret Blurg lover. Because, <laughs> yeah, and then they're in Mandalorian. So the Blurks have been on Endor, 
They've been on Ryloth. They've been on whatever Queel's planet was. I can't remember. They're all over the place, but they got their start in the battle for Endor. And the extra interesting thing with the history of Blurgs is it kind of lends truth to the fact that the Marauders definitely came from another planet and weren't from Endor because they probably brought the Blurgs with them. Maybe it was like Star Trek Four, and they had a ship with a tank full of Blurgs in it, and that <laughs> they were smuggling Blurgs for King Prana's nephew or something, and they crash landed on Endor. Yeah, something we're we're going to be learning more and more as this episode goes on. I think Dave Filoni is a secret Ewok movie super fan. I think he's thinking about these movies all day, every day. Well, and he might not even be secret about it based on what we bring up in this episode. I don't think he's hiding it from anybody. Hey, Jason and Gabe, it's Brittany, and I'm just submitting why I love the Ewok movies. So I hadn't watched them growing up, and so I'm kind of a newer Ewok movies fan. Um, always have loved Ewoks, but just never had a chance to watch the movies. And... My interest peaked in that in the films when you guys released your podcast episode a couple years ago. It was the Ewok movies, Listen Along Records, and you guys had gone through those. I just instantly fell in love, had to watch those movies for myself, and they're, they're great. They're just so strange and out there and very Star Wars. And of course, I'm just a sucker for any Star Wars creatures, especially anything just weird and out there like teak love i love teak um so i just want to thank you guys for that podcast episode because especially now just thinking about it when that podcast episode came out that it takes me back to when i first heard it which was on a road trip and especially during quarantine right now and everything we're all dealing with together um no celebration no traveling really it just brought back some warm fuzzies thinking about my memories when i could listen to that podcast when it first came out when I was on the road and it just it's a, just a great memory and also thank you for doing Ewok month because it's my birthday month so it's like getting a birthday present all month long thank you so much you guys great work with the podcast may the force be with you we are okay so our next topic Night Sisters, where you might be saying out there, hey, there's no Night Sisters in the Ewok movies. But to that we say, maybe there are. There is a witch in the Ewok movies who has magic. And what is the source of magic in Star Wars? The same thing that's the source of the Night Sisters magic, the Force. So let's back it way, way up. To the 1994 book, The Courtship of Princess Leia, by Dave Wolverton. In that book, there were two cultures that were introduced. There were the Happens and the Witches of Dathomir. Made their first appearance in Courtship of Princess Leia. So, the heroes, the basic Star Wars heroes, encounter two societies on the wild planet Dathomir. The Witches of the Singing Mountain Clan, yes, and the evil Night Sisters. Both good and evil witches were powerful in the Force, but they used the Force differently than the Jedi did. So that already starts to sound like somebody we know from the Ewok movies. 
So then later in 1994, there was the Jedi Academy trilogy by Kevin Anderson, who also that next year wrote the illustrated Star Wars universe. But in that book, it is first described that Sheral, the witch from Battle for Endor, is a night sister from Dathomir. She shares the look and the same powers as the witch, the night sisters from the courtship of Princess Leia. So technically, Sheral was the first night sister who ever came into Star Wars. Nothing ever gets thrown away in Star Wars. <laughs> so the whole history of the Night Sisters kind of keeps going. There was the unused Sith Witch concept by Ian McKaig for Episode One. That kind of got worked into this comic from the year 2000 called Infinity's End, where we had a Night Sister called Mother Zalem. Quinlan Voss goes to Dathomir after the Jedi Council like discovers something going on there, which you know that's kind of crazy too. That like this Dark Horse comic from 2000 was going back to Dathomir, which at that time was something only in the Courtship of Princess Leia book and these Jedi Kami books from years before. Those Dark Horse comics were crazy. And then there was a Clone Wars game in 2008, Jedi Alliance, which used the Sith Witch concept by Ian McKaig for the Night Sisters. And George Lucas sees something from this game and it's like, oh, we should, we should put them in, in the show. At this point, it kind of reminds me of when George Lucas said he wanted to bring in Mandalore and like the Mandalorians into Clone Wars. And where Dave Filoni is kind of like, oh, well, you know, there's a whole lot of stuff. And during this period of time, there was an interesting Twitter thread by Pablo Hidalgo that at this this time when they were thinking about how they were going to bring the Night Sisters into Clone Wars and how they could kind of explain Asajj Ventress, which is fascinating, too, because Ventress was introduced in the Jendi Clone Wars. Filoni started to do a sketch of Sheral. And there was talk for a little while of Sheral being on Dathomir. Maybe Sheral was going to be like Mother Talzin or something. I don't know. Like it never happened. I just like to think that Dave Filoni can just draw Sheral from memory at any at any time and any place. I would I'd love <laughs> to see this sketch. Like what is the Dave Filoni version of Sheral? look like the night sisters themselves are not a new concept they have been around in star wars lore in different novels and different comic books but like everything when we sat down to do them with george you know this is how the real deal goes for him in his universe what we have are a, a clan of witches that live on the planet dathomir and george wanted ventures to have been from these witches but she had gotten lost at one point. They had had to strike a deal, and they gave her away. Like we talked about back in the, the Ewok Adventure episode, you know, canon, not canon, people get too hung up on that. But if you go back and watch the Battle for Endor, and you think, yes, yeah, Sheral is a night sister from Dathomir who is just stuck on Endor 
because she's there somehow with the marauders and the marauders are idiots who can't get off the planet and she's just stuck there and has no way to communicate with her fellow night sisters it's really kind of fascinating and it makes total sense well and the fun thing is if the ewok movies do if you try to rationalize it it does maybe make more sense that they happen after return of the jedi then that means charles out and about potentially in the previous stories we've seen with rebels and the prequel trilogy and the original trilogy and clone wars so she could show up in bad batch she better i think she should (laughs) well super fascinating too in 2004 when the Ewok movies came out on DVD, there was a, a databank entry for all the characters from all the Ewok movies, which is amazing that that happened. And they're on like the Internet Archive. And the, the entry for Sheral says, The evil Sheral was a force-wielding night sister who turned her back on the Order and left Dathomir. She's far older than she appears, having lived for almost over a century. She possesses strange arcane powers that Jedi scholars could not fully explain and has spent many decades avoiding Jedi and fellow Night Sisters. <laughs> yeah, and to evade Jedi and fellow Night Sisters, it says she teamed up with the Marauders and got stuck on Endor. Maybe she brought the Blurgs. Maybe she had a Blurg farm. That's how she was laying low. She was breeding <laughs> Blurgs. The Marauders showed up. Hey, we need these Blurgs. She's like, that's fine. I'm coming with you. So again, people say they're myth, people say legend, the Ewok movies. I'm saying maybe not. I'm saying Sheral's a night sister. There's usually some truth to all those myths and legends. Hello, Jason and Gabe. This is the Mufumelker Angel Jorge from La Fosa del Rancor, the Rancor's Pit. And I want to share with all of you my happy memories with the Ewoks movies. I remember 95 with the year of the Back to the Future, the Goonies. Oh my God, what a year of great movies. And I was so lucky enough to go to the, to the theater and watch the movie because in Spain, the movie uh, Caravan of Courage, here the title was uh, La Aventura de los Ewoks, Ewoks Adventure hit the theater and was a really a, a big success. Even uh, there were some film festivals that uh, project uh, the movie. Um, well, the, the second one, uh, Battle for, for Endor, um, don't hit the theaters, but I remember rent the movie about a million times on the video store. Uh, was also the year 85, 86 that uh, the cartoon, the Ewoks and Droids cartoons, uh, uh, come to the to the television. And here in Spain, uh, the Ewoks cartoon was uh, a big success. There was a lot of books, comic books, uh, action figures, a, a lot of merchandising. And I have a, really a good memory with with these two films because you know it it, it it was star wars again and on the tv on the theaters and oh man and i love star wars and f- for me i am a child of the return of the jedi and i love it the ewoks and i love the ewoks now 
and I have a good, a good, really, really, really good memories with the with the movies. I have the DVDs, and I'm still watching the movies. Uh, I can't wait to 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 watch with my little daughter these movies. Uh, not today because he's a little uh, so little. Uh, I think I have to to wait one or two years because, <laughs> for example, uh, uh, Battle of Endor I think is so dark <laughs> for her. So well, I have to wait a few years. So now this is my my happy memories of the Ewoks movies, and and I am enjoying a lot this month, this Ewok uh, movie month, and I want to to thank you, you both for all your shows and I love it and I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of Last Point. So, well, that, that's all. Thank you very much and may the force be with all of you. So let's talk about Teak. But before we talk about Teak, I think we should hear from Teak herself. Who better? to tell us about Teak than Teak. So our friend Brandon over at Talking Bay 94 had the opportunity recently to sit down and talk to the one and only Nikki Batello, who played Teak in the Battle for Endor. It might be the high point of our week as we take a peek at Teak. <laughs> Don't shriek, but we might end up weak. <laughs> so let's listen to Talking Bay 94's interview with the one and only Nikki Batello here. So now transitioning, because this is now Brandon Winerdy, Ewok Movie Month correspondent for Blast Points, because they are, of all the big Ewok fans in the world, I yeah. think they are the biggest. When I met them for the first time, they had a big teak pin on their jacket. Shut like, up. like they love these movies. Oh, so man. Jason and Gabe Tell are very big excited. Big hug yes. for me to oh, them, man, <laughs> for sure. They're going to freak out. Thank you. But I have a few questions that they wanted to ask Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Before you played Teague, of course, with your Wicket connection, did you study at all Warwick's movements or anything to, like, prepare? Or how did you... I did, actually. We had a... And I can't remember her last name. I remember her first name was Wendy. Mm -hmm. It was, like, a choreographer, a movement coach mm -hmm. for that. And for Teague, actually, too. Like, the movements for Teague. But I'll tell you something really funny is that... The Bay of Breakers is in May, right? Uh -huh. Big race in San Francisco right. from the Bay Area, right? And I used to run it. And it's like seven miles, but I would be sore. So I remember I ran it, and I was so sore that I was limping. Oh. And they're like, oh, my God, you have Warwick's walk down. <laughs> <laughs> and then nothing, nothing's bad with Warwick. Right, right. just, you know what I mean? Like, I could study it as hard as I want to. Right. It really got just, me with being out of shape and sore. Oh I'm like, gosh. okay, got it. That's yeah. incredible. <laughs> That's great. Uh, one of the things that they wanted to bring up was, of course, the late, great Wilfred Brimley. But, like, do you yeah. have any memories specifically with him on set or any times that you were able to share with him? No, I mean, just the whole premiere cocoon, yeah. you know what I mean? And he was just always looking out for me, you know what I mean? Because we did a lot of scenes together like that, and he wasn't afraid to speak up. Right. You know, how are you doing, Nikki? You know what I mean? You are right in that costume. You need a break. Wow. You're hot. You know what I mean? You're just yeah, very conscientious. Awesome. And just, Wilfred wanted to make me a jockey. Because he has, like, he has a ranch or something. Uh -huh. I, I don't even know where. He says Utah now, but I was Idaho back then, whatever. But he's like, you're nice and small. I'm going to make you a jockey, Nikki. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, that's be it. That could have been fun. That I mean, been... <laughs> duct tape me the horse. Right. I don't fall off. But we'll all right. do it. You oh, know? that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. 
for movies that are now, like we were talking, a little obscure, like the Ewok movies are not on Blu-ray, not on Disney+, Plus, which is a shame. They're not? No. Which oh, wow. I think, cause one are of the, they holding out? I, don't, I think they're holding out with that, and then Young Indiana Jones Chronicles are both not on there yet. So both of those similar eras of Lucasfilm. Yeah. But Teak has remained kind of a fan favorite, and kind of this legacy of Teak for being in one... Star Wars movie is incredible. What do you think is the lasting legacy of the character? And maybe like, what have you kind of seen over the years as this character and the fandom has grown and grown? I will be honest with you. I was completely like oblivious, uh-huh. naive to the amazing fan bases out there for T. Yeah. And I'm so touched. I'm so flattered. Yeah. I, 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 I did. I had no idea. And I have these people going... I've been trying to find you for 20-something wow. years. I've gone to every Comic-Con, and you're right. not there. And, uh, you know, I just I went to school after I got my degree. Right. You know what I mean? I'm also a special ed teacher. And then I would, you know, work on different films, Batman, Charm. You know what I mean? Right. So, but I always, there's always food on the table. If right. I wasn't teaching, I was acting. You know what I mean? So doing them. So I had no idea how cool mm-hmm. Teak was and is in people's minds and I get people of all ages and because I'm a teacher too I get kids that I taught that uh, knew about it kids uh, you know Mm -hmm. that are older that are showing or adults that are showing their kids now and they always talk I'm like oh my god that's so cool because it was kind of a throw together thing really it was a puppet you know what I mean developed this whole other thing I know they added more scenes with Teak because of it yeah Yeah. I was getting new pages for the script and stuff like that so I am just like so honored yeah. that that people enjoy Teak oh as gosh. much as I enjoyed like bringing Teak to life. Well, you, I mean, you can't see it through my mask, but I've been just grinning like an idiot the entire time. <sighs> this has been so great, and I appreciate it. And yeah, Jason and Gabe want to say thank you. We love Teak, and we love her. So oh my god, thank you. Seriously, I'm like I'm gonna get choked up. <laughs> I'm not bullshitting either. <laughs> well, thank um, you very much. This was such a thrill. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. it. Was fun. Oh, man. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Yes. That's it. We could just end Ewok Movie Month right now. Does it get any better than that? I don't think it I don't think it can. Oh, Brandon, thank you so much. Nikki Batello, thank you so much. It's so nice to hear that there's a lot of teak love in the world and that Nikki's, it took a while, but now she's getting to experience all that teak love. Oh, that's one. There's one lesson we've taken from Ewok Movie Month. There's a lot of love for these movies, and that's what we're talking about in this episode. Beyond the preconceived ideas of the Ewok movies, you know, oh, they're not canon, oh, they're not good, blah, 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 blah. Maybe they are. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, yeah, seriously, okay, so... You're going to want to tune in to Talking Bay 94, like like you, everyone listening already does anyways, because there's going to be about 10 more minutes of Teak stories, including how she referenced the Wilford Brimley at the Cocoon premiere. He's going to have that whole story in his episode coming up. So Talking Bay 94, if you're not already, you got to subscribe to it, because there's going to be more Teak action coming over there. And that's unbelievable. It, it doesn't get any better than... Than Teak and Wilford Brimley combo stories. So <laughs> I'm excited. One, okay, so Teak, the, the Battle for Endor was not the last time we saw Teak in a Star Wars thing. Teak was one of the original boarding party 
passengers on the original version of Star Tours. Attention, please. Star Tours Flight 1119, nonstop service to Endor, is now ready for boarding at gate number one. All passengers, please proceed to the boarding area immediately. There's a teak action figure, because at the Disney parks, you could get an action figure set of the Star Tours boarding party, and they made teak. I really, I really missed out not, not going to the old Star Tours. <laughs> it had teak on it. <laughs> well, thank you, Brandon, for telling Nikki about all the teak love that's out there, because we've seen it in this past few weeks here in September in Ewok Movie Month. There's been a lot of teak love out there, and... So grateful. Thank you. Hi, Jason. Hi, Gabe. This is Lori from New York. Blast Points fan since about December of last year. Thank you so much for creating such a positive, wonderful little corner of the Star Wars podcasting universe. I definitely love it, and I feel like I belong. So, the Ewok movies... The Battle for Endor. So we always talk about our entry point into the Star Wars universe. When Return of the Jedi came out, I think I was too young for it to make sense for my parents to go take me to the theater. But I did have a little illustrated book. I think like the Ewoks joined the fight or something like that. And that was my bedtime story for years. And so... When Battle for Endor came out on TV, I couldn't stay up to see it. I think my dad taped it for me, and I watched it maybe the weekend following. But that was my first foray into the live-action world of Ewoks. And so it was great. It was these Ewoks that I had only ever seen on, on paper or in my storybook actually come to life and interact. And, of course, Sindel... I totally related to her, and I love the fact that she was friends with the Ewoks, and it was really just a wonderful time to be able to spend in this universe that I had only ever known through the books. I don't really remember all of the death that they were talking about and how grumpy uh, Wilfred Brimley's character was, but I definitely remember feeling like I wanted to be friends with the Ewoks when I was little. So you're making some of us reach really far back into our memories. I don't think I've seen it since then, Um, but it definitely had an effect on me because it was Star Wars universe brought to life. All right. Thanks, you guys, and good luck. So there's other creatures other than Ewoks, and Blurgs on Endor, and one is none other than the 50-foot-tall? How tall is the Gorax? Just giant. <laughs> Just crazy giant big. Like, other than the Zillow Beast, is the Gorax maybe the largest terrestrial Star Wars creature? If we don't count the Space Worm or the uh, the sea creatures on Naboo? Whatever's swimming around on Camino, that's pretty big. I don't know. Maybe someday we'll see a Gorax riding the Sando Aqua Monster on Naboo. They'll team up. I don't know, but <laughs> right, riding a, uh, a a space slug. Maybe they're friends, uh, or the space whales. They're 
That's how the Gorax got on Endor. He rode a space whale. Yeah, we saw the Gorax in the Ewok adventure, the big climax. But that wasn't the last time we've seen the Gorax. Far from it. Who would have ever guessed the Gorax has shown up in a ton of stuff? And recently, too, right? Yeah, the Gorax is everywhere. The most famous, probably, and most recent is the Gorax was in Season 2 of Star Wars Forces of Destiny. And had a little action with Wicket and Nisa and Luke and Leia. And if you haven't watched those or forgot about how good they are, they're on Disney Plus and they look beautiful on Disney Plus. But even before that, we got little hints of the Gorax in Battlefront with their Ewok levels. Battlefront 1 and 2. Just one Battlefront game wasn't even, there wasn't enough for Gorax action. You don't think about it as much in Battlefront 1, because is that the one that had the spider? I think they actually have the spider from Caravan of Courage 2 in the cave, so. Yeah, and if you go in, and in the cave, and if you look up, there's the cage where Sindel's parents were. Even more recent than Battlefront, but not as recent as Forces of Destiny. There was a Tales from Vader's Castle issue 4 comic book that is a combo story of Caravan of Courage stuff and the Ewoks cartoon because it has the the Duke Locks or whatever the rabbit people are from the cartoon and then none other than the Gorax who that story, even though I just read it recently, it's so hard to keep straight what's going on, but there's like Chief Chirpa, but he's not the chief yet. And I think Lowgrade's there, but he's not the medicine man yet. And the old medicine man is stealing Ewok kids and trying to sacrifice them to the Gorax. And the uh, the Boar Wolves show up, and it's basically just Ewok movie madness. Where's the Gorax going to show up again next? Who knows? Where's our to-scale-with-the-12-inch Forces of Destiny dolls Gorax with hair that you can comb. That, that's what I want to know. <laughs> Style me Gorax with a little mirror that he can look at himself in. Ooh. We didn't see all of his caves. We didn't see his grooming room where he had <laughs> his redwood tree-sized brush and comb. Hey, Jason and Gabe, this is Dustin. This is Nick. We're from Cherry Bombs, the underappreciated movies podcast. As you guys know, our whole podcast is about celebrating underappreciated movies. So the Ewok saga is totally up our alley. You know, I just recently just uh, revisited uh, Caravan of Courage and... AKA the Ewok Adventure, which I always remember it being called the Ewok Adventure. Right, depending on what title you like better. (laughs) Right. Um, You know, so, and, uh, you know, it it was great. It's still, it's still Star Wars. So Battle for Endor, which is basically the Alien 3 of Star Wars movies, everyone's killed off in the first five minutes, that movie I have probably clearer memories of, and I'm actually a huge fan, probably a bigger fan of Battle for Endor, as dark and weird as that is. I would agree. Maybe because it's dark and weird. And of course, you know, Wilford Brimley. I mean, come on. So it is the movie that introduced Wilford Brimley to the Star Wars universe, which that alone. The great Wilford Brimley. He was more than diabetes testing supplies and oatmeal, that's for sure. <laughs> 
It's funny because he was one of those actors who were, you know, somebody says like Tom Cruise never ages. Neither did Wilford yeah. Brimley, really. He no. always looked the same. <laughs> he was old since the day he was born and he never changed. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, we love the Ewok movies. Uh, we love Blast Points. Keep up the great work, guys. We've been with you since the QVC show. And thanks, guys, for uh, celebrating the Ewok love. Yub nub. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. You want a second take on Yub Nub? Yub Nub. Yub Nub! Okay, yeah, that'll do. Alright. Thanks, guys. <laughs> so, our next Ewok thing that came out of the movies and spread into other things the wisties yes the wisties the little glowing fairy things from caravan of courage not only did they show up pretty much in willow the exact same sound effects and they look exactly the same they were in the ewok cartoon and they showed up in battlefront 2 as a weapon the Ewoks could use. <laughs> and I guess a, the story goes that something like the game developers were, had some kind of Ewok weapon, something they could use, and they submitted it to Lucasfilm or something. And Lucasfilm was like, no, instead of that, you should use the Wisties. The Ewoks can pull Wisties out of like a little pouch and they can like fly up in stormtroopers' faces and stuff and like the Ewok hunt game. Insane. Ridiculous. Bravo, Lucasfilm. <laughs> See, and there is more of the proof that these aren't forgotten movies. Maybe they're not technically in canon, but they exist and they're there. And I it, are the Battlefront games technically canon now? Maybe. Never underestimate the Ewok films, just like the Ewoks themselves. Hey Blast Points, this is Trevor Never from Milwaukee calling. First time caller, long time listener, and uh, I want to thank you guys so much for celebrating Ewoks all month long. Um, the Ewok movies were favorites of mine as a kid, and I remember my dad taped them off of the TV when they first originally aired, commercials and all. Uh, we had Empire, Jedi, and the Ewok movies, and that was it. That was my whole Star Wars world. The Ewok movies were every bit as important as the saga films, and I loved them. Um, Battle for Endor was definitely my favorite, and uh, looking back now, uh, it is a very dark movie, but a lot of the movies I loved from the 80s had a dark tone. Dragon Slayer, Dark Crystal, Black Cauldron... Temple of Doom. I guess a lot of movies for kids in the 80s had that kind of dark tone, or perhaps they were movies uh, we were watching as kids that were actually made for adults. I'm not sure. And my nostalgia clouds my memory on a lot of those as well. Um, but I love the Ewok movies, and I will proudly stand up for them and, and uh, uh, recommend them to anyone who has never seen them. Uh, they really are good. Um, and thanks again, guys, and uh, keep up the great work, and let's talk about some Ewoks again soon. Yup, nub.
So while not exactly something from the Ewok films, people who worked on the Ewok films, specifically the Wheat brothers, Ken and Jim Wheat, went on to make other films. One of those films was they wrote the script for the original Pitch Black, starring everyone's favorite Vin Diesel in space. The story where we meet Riddick, but he's like a criminal or something. He's stranded on this space planet, which they had explored with Noah in the Battle for Endor. So you could say that Noah is kind of the precursor to Riddick and thus bringing the Vin Diesel-Wilford Brimley connection. Maybe when Noah was younger, he looked like Riddick. Could be. And maybe if the Wheat Brothers did a Battle for Endor Part 2, it would have been like Chronicles of Riddick, where Noah and Sindel would have encountered the Necromongers, and all hell would have broken loose. Total insanity. Well, they haven't finished making all the Riddick movies yet, so maybe eventually after he conquers the Underverse, he ends up looking like Wilfred Brimley. And finds teak. <laughs> it's only a matter of time. Only a matter of time. Hi, my name is Brandon Medley. I love Star Wars, and I love Ewoks. The Ewok movies were really my gateway into the galaxy far, far away. Sure. I knew who Darth Vader was, and I had seen R2 and 3PO on Sesame Street. My dentist had even given me a toothbrush with them on it. But as an 80s kid, born while Return of the Jedi was still in theaters, whose family didn't have cable and had yet to purchase a VCR, the movies were foreign to me. I didn't see the trilogy until a later network TV airing. But the Ewok movies, particularly The Battle for Endor, ignited my imagination and laid the groundwork for an obsession that continues to this day. Okay, so this next one, a little bit of trivia for the Ewok movies. The character named Sheral and Salak. Sheral, originally they wanted Cheryl Ladd to play Sheral, so... That's where her name came from. And Salik got his name because originally, for the part of Noah, they wanted Tom Selleck to play that part. So it reminds me so much of uh, Star Trek V with Shakari, and they wanted Sean Connery to play Spock's brother. But Well, that's, you know, that's the Star Wars and Star Trek naming system. It works so well. Well, and, you know... Tom Selleck was kind of the Vin Diesel of his day. So it's the, the Riddick Noah connection is not that far off. It's funny too, because like once I heard that and I was like, huh, there was some commercial on TV or something, and Tom Selleck was on it. They're like, hello, this is Tom Selleck selling you soap or something. And I just kept I was like, man, that would have been one weird Noah. Would he have he would have had the mustache? Yeah, well, he would have been much younger too. But now Tom Selleck could play a pretty good Noah. So maybe when when they finally make Ewok 3, we find out that Selleck isn't really dead. And it's Tom Selleck. And he's still alive. And he's got to find Sindel to avenge Noah's death. 
do you think they even actually asked him to? Because, like, don't forget, he was pretty much going to play Indiana Jones, but he couldn't get out of his Magnum PI contract. And they were like, hey, sorry about the whole Indiana Jones thing. That movie was kind of a big hit. But do you want to be in this made for TV Ewok movie that's also a Lucasfilm production? It's still Lucasfilm. We got that guy from uh, The Breakfast Club. He said, okay. Hi guys. After rewatching the Ewok made for TV movies as an adult, I see the Ewok movies as a bit of a continuation of the family-friendly aspects of Return of the Jedi, although in some ways the battle for Endor is actually darker than most of the original trilogy itself. That said, it seems like there are some contradictions of what these movies really are. I mean, one minute we have a family being murdered, and the next, Wicked is speaking English, and a cute, speedy little Muppet is running around, stealing muffins for Sindel. While I guess I see the Ewok movies as separate from the rest of the Star Wars universe, uh, these contradictions are very George Lucas. There are cute, fun aspects, while at the same time, some very real, very scary things are going on. Another thing that comes to mind is the feeling of transition. Star Wars itself was waning in popularity. The Kenner toy line was dwindling down. While I was very excited for the first Ewoks movie and I stayed up for the premiere, I have no memory of the second movie premiering. And I think that at that time I had just moved on. Now, a few years later, like 1988, I was already scouring yard sales and flea markets already so hungry with nostalgia for the early 80s and anything Star Wars related. Overall, I guess I would like I would have liked the Ewok movies to have been bigger, uh, maybe have a slightly bigger budget. Um, I feel like if they had been in theaters, they would have been much bigger. Maybe we could have gotten a toy line, more stuffed Ewoks, uh, maybe a third movie. And even though we didn't get those things, if I could, I'd like to go back and just re-experience uh, the movies again as they came out, knowing what we know now. I think I would appreciate it more this time. I think the Ewok movies sort of signaled the end of a part of my childhood. And while I always got a melancholy feeling from watching the uh, Return of the Jedi VHS tape when I was a kid, um, I rewatched the Battle for Endor, and I had a similar feeling of... Our, our thing is ending, and we're not going to see our friends again. Um, so, Disney Plus, please make a third movie possible. I want to see Sindel go back to Endor. I want to see Sindel meet Wicked again and meet Wicked's son. And I'd like some closure on this. As always, great job with the podcast, guys. Ewok Movie Month has been a lot of fun. Keep up the great work. So there's nothing better than Star Wars food. And if you've watched Battle for Endor, you know there's some uh, Star Wars food eating. And it makes sense then if you go to Galaxy's Edge and want to eat, you can get yourself a plate of Tip Yip, otherwise known as Endorian chicken. In the Ewok village in the Battle for Endor, there's chickens going around. I don't know why. They're space chickens. They're Endorian chickens, and those chickens were called Tip Yip. Who named them Tip Yip? 
the one and only Ben Burt in his galactic phrase book. Of course. <laughs> so then, in a roundabout way, when they're doing Galaxy's Edge, there's going to be some kind of dinner that involves chicken, and it's called Endorian Tip Yip. Thus, bringing the Ewok films to the Galaxy's Edge. Jakku has ducks. Endor has chickens. <laughs> Captain Panaka talked about the ducks, sitting ducks. Now, when we finally get to go to Galaxy's Edge, I'm beelining it for some tip yip because I got to represent. Let me give you a tip. Get some tip yip. And don't forget to tip. They'll be, they'll be like, there's no line on Rise of the Resistance. I'll be like, don't care. The party is wherever the tip yip is. I don't think you can bring drinks around in Galaxy's Edge, but can you bring like chicken legs with you? Like, can you get the chicken and just walk around and eat it? Someday we'll find out. Can I eat some Tip Yip while riding on Rise of the Resistance? I think that would work out just fine. Just, can I eat Tip Yip on a spaceship, please? <laughs> tip Yip on a spaceship. <laughs> so our next topic. Whatever happened to Sindel? That's the big question. Everybody's wondering it. Well, in the book Tyrant's Test in 1996, I don't know what was going on in the mid-90s where everyone was going Ewok movie crazy and trying to solve all the mysteries. But something was happening. There, were, there was no special edition or prequels yet, so you had to take what you could get. So in that book, Sindel Tawani is shown to have become a reporter on Coruscant. And in that same wild 2004 StarWars.com character bio thing, it says, Sindel grew to be an intelligent and idealistic woman. She became a reporter on Coruscant. During the Yevethian crisis, Sindel received the so-called Platt Maller tapes from Admiral Drayson and leaked the story of the only survivor of the Yethelin attack on Poigny. The report was meant to gather sympathy amongst the people of the New Republic and the Senate, and it worked. So Sindel, she's bringing the truth to the people of the Star Wars galaxy. I would watch that Disney Plus show. Crack reporter Sindel hitting the stories that no one else can get, occasionally having to head back to Endor to check in with her best buddy, Wicket. In Star Wars Gamer Magazine, so if you remember Star Wars Gamer Magazine out there, then... Props to you. But in issue number nine, April, May 2002, there was a whole big thing like if you want to incorporate Endor into your role-playing games. And it had a short little paragraph on Sindel and Noah. And it kind of repeated some of the stuff with her becoming a reporter. But it also said that she lived with Noah for many years until Noah retired to the mid-rim section. And Sindel went off to be a reporter on Coruscant, which that's that's all just beautiful. You can fill in the dots right there. She found her new family. And we can't forget, too, that in the buildup to The Force Awakens, there was a rumor that was lighting the Internet on fire for about a day where somebody thought that maybe Captain Phasma was actually Sindel Tawani because actually Gwendolyn Christie and Aubrey Miller are the same age. <laughs> That's just a peek into revisiting 2014 and early 2015 into those, those force awakened rumor days where someone's like, I think Captain Phasma is Sindel from the Ewok movies. 
I, I'm okay with that. I kind of wish Captain Fast was <laughs> Sindel from the Ewok movies. I don't like it at all because then she got evil. There's no hope in the galaxy in that for Sindel. What happened? All right. She had a rough she had a rough childhood. But she handled it like a champ and she found the force brought Noah to her. Okay. All right. You in. <laughs> Maybe Fazin was her twin sister who went evil. There you go. All right. I can see that. Because then we can have Gwendolyn Christie play grown up Sindel. I, I mean, I kind of want, want Aubrey Miller to come back when it eventually does happen, because it will happen. This is Stephanie and Allison. Hi, Blast Points. Once again, we are sending in our shared memories because, once again, as twin Star Wars fans, we were experiencing many things about Star Wars together. Simultaneously. Including the Ewok Adventures, which... Experiencing is in some somewhat air quotes. Yes. We didn't actually see them as kids, but they were still a big part of our experience with Star Wars prior to the prequels coming out. Right. Because I remember very distinctly as a kid watching the Star Wars trilogy for the first time, being very frustrated that there were no kids in the movies. In fact, I remember getting so excited seeing just a brief flash of a child extra or adolescent young person extra running past in a crowd scene on Cloud City when everyone's evacuating. And that was my kid representation in Star Wars, was that. Yeah. there were no kids. There were no kids in the original trilogy. It felt like, ironically, for a film... That a film series that's so popular with kids for a while, everybody was an adult. And for that brief period of time between the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy, we were uh, hungry for some kid representation. Uh, Enter the Essential Character Guide, which we quickly picked up like very shortly after getting obsessed with Star Wars. And read from front to back until it literally fell apart. Mm-hmm. Um, this guide was full of all sorts of wild stuff from the uh, old expanded universe. Um, and I remember very vividly seeing kids in it, including, you know, the uh, Anakin solo Jason Jaina, and Jaina. And, Jason. and also, I remember very vividly learning from that book that all the happy endings in Star Wars quickly turn horrible, mm-hmm. sad, or weird. Everyone either <laughs> dies or turns to the dark side or something terrible happens to them was the general theme. And also things got a little bizarre. And I just remember reading that book and saying, huh. And then... We came upon the page that had Sindel on it. Sindel had an entry in the essential character guide, which included the illustration of her that every character got and a photograph. Mm -hmm. Photographic evidence that she appeared in some kind of live action Star Wars something. 
And so we eagerly read about her and found out that there were these Ewok movies that featured a kid. An actual human child in real life. And we were so excited. I read that page over and over and over again, that entry. It was more than a page. And also was a little bit sad and shocked by how dark it got. Oh, wow. Her parents die? This is kind of... And this- her brother... I wasn't so much shocked, though, because it was very much in keeping was in with keeping. every single entry in the Essential Character Guide, including apparently everything that happens to Luke and Leia and Han in the Expanded Universe. So I was, I didn't bat an eyelash, but I was kind of like, she's Star Wars, wow. <laughs> yeah, I, ironically, while people talk about the Ewok adventures not feeling like Star Wars, in my mind, comparing it against... Everything else I was experiencing, I was like, wow, this is very Star Wars. This is pretty much par for the course. Yeah, very par for the course. (laughs) Um, And then other than that, uh, we almost watched Caravan of Courage because my Star Wars-obsessed cousin had a copy of it on VHS. And I remember being at his house sometime after getting obsessed with the original trilogy, seeing it, seeing Ewok Adventure Caravan of Courage and knowing that was where that little girl was from and asking to watch it. Mm-hmm. But our cousin was like, no, it's not very good. And so we didn't watch it. And that was it. That was He was lost. wrong, clearly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now it's impossible to see. So, yeah. So, I've had many regrets about not pushing harder <sighs> for the Ewok Adventure movie night that we deserve. I wish it had been Battle for Endor, because that one sounds cooler, even though it sounds really dark. But mm-hmm. we could have we had it all. Yeah. But, yeah. Then a few years later... Phantom Menace came out, and we had kid representation on the big screen, and the importance of Sindel sort of faded into the background, but I will always remember how much that character mattered to eight-year-old me. She was the first. She walked so that Anakin could run. That's right. All right. Thanks, guys. Loving Ewok Month so so much. We love Ewok Month and Blast Point. Bye. So this next one is one of my favorites, and this is where the real world and the galaxy far, far away cross over in incredible ways. But I believe this story is from Warwick Davis's biography. Uh, I could be wrong. Someone hopefully can correct us, but... There's a story he tells where George Lucas hired him to come to Amanda Lucas's birthday party as Wicket, not as Warwick Davis, but as Wicket. And Wicket came to the party, which I think was a pool party, maybe. At some point, the kids wanted Wicket to eat cake and they shoved cake into Wicket's mouth. And there's a photo, I believe there's a photo from this party in the book. (laughs) It was, this was her, what did we say? I think it was her eighth birthday party, maybe? It was a few years after the Ewok films, and she still loved the Ewoks, as we all do. Well, and Katie Lucas, so much of like we were talking about with the Night Sisters, those incredible episodes of Clone Wars, she wrote them. And Night Sisters cross right over with Sheral, and it all goes back to 
the Ewok movies. Showing up at birthday parties, eating cakes, hanging out with witches, witches coming into Clone Wars. It's all connected. When Lucas's kids love these movies, you know it's got to count for something. Okay, so finally, I don't know if it's directly related to the Ewok films, but maybe it is. On October 30th, 2009, the Today Show on NBC was doing a Halloween decorating segment. All the people on the Today Show were dressed in Star Wars-themed costumes, and they had a bunch of people in Ewok suits. And according to legend, before the segment began, the, the Ewoks were hitting the booze real hard. So by the time the camera started rolling, the Ewoks were out of control. They were humping egg, Al Roker's leg, and one Ewok was trying to drink more vodka. See, when I think about hard partying Ewoks, I think about Ewok TV movie Ewoks. Because remember, they're building catapults out of metal and shooting laser guns. Like these, The Ewoks are a little bit, uh, they partied a little harder in the adventure films than they did in Return of the Jedi. That was the beginning. They got a taste of shooting laser guns. And then the next thing you know, they're breakdancing and hitting the sauce real early in the morning on a Friday. Well, with the time change, it would have been evening on uh, Endor. So, you know, you can't blame them. It was either a high point or a very low point in Ewok history. <laughs> Depending on your point of view. Whoa, what's he doing behind me? <laughs> Whoa! Whoa! So in conclusion, the Ewok films are a dyad. You have the light and the dark, the light Caravan of Courage and the dark, the battle for Endor. And we've learned with this episode that a lot of people out there love them. And whether or not you think they're part of canon or whatever, their myth that didn't really happen, I think they did. I think we've proved that they did. There's too much. There's too much evidence. Their legend and legacy is too strong and casts too large a shadow across time and space in the Star Wars universe to be mere myths. And we've got to thank all of you folks that sent in your voice recordings expressing your Ewok movie love. Every one of your message, messages brought warm feelings to our hearts. <laughs> it wouldn't be Ewok Movie Month without sharing Ewok movie love with... Ewok movie fans everywhere. Yep. We, th we thank you all so much. And our giveaway is still going on with Ewok Movie Month, where if you post something Ewok-related, whether it be art, interpretive dance, sculpture, finger puppets, anything related to Ewok movie love with the hashtag 
Ewok Movie Month, you are in the running for our wonderful prizes from our friends at Nerd Matters. They made these Ewok Movie card backs, and they have Ewok Movie stickers. We're sending them out to fans, and this week's winner is Nick Tierce, who a couple weeks ago made an incredible video that blew our minds. And it's kind of perfectly themed with this episode because there's a little bit of Galaxy's Edge and there's a lot of bit of the Ewok movies. I'm incredibly excited to announce it's called Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. Star Cruiser? We're ready to give you details. On Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. Star Cruiser? Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser is a completely new type of experience. That's not a Star Cruiser. That's a horse. Everything in the spaceship wants to reinforce that feeling of you're on a Star Cruiser. Star Cruiser. These are cabins of a Star Cruiser. Star Cruiser. Guests will get to go on a planet excursion to the planet of Batu to visit Black Spire Outpost. Just don't worry. We'll stay in the Star Cruiser until, until they get back. Guests will take an exclusive transport, and they'll emerge straight out into the land. If you're a guest coming to Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser, you're going to be a part of a story. Don't you have a Star Cruiser? Star Cruiser. Yeah, so Nick, you are our winner for that amazing video. And your prize pack will be coming out to you at the end of the month. Return of the Jedi. The Rebel Command Force is captured by the Ewoks. What fate awaits them in the model Ewok village? The Ewoks line up their captives as Chief Chirper arrives in the lift. Han Solo is turned on the spit. No one can reach the Ewok village protected by the swinging boulder. Can C-3PO save his friends? Only you can decide with Star Wars toys. And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial Stormtroopers are so precise. podcast reviews you know we say it every single week when you're done listening go over there say something nice about the show not only does it help more people find the show but we love reading those reviews and we're going to eventually get to reading all the great stuff people have wrote about us and make sure you check out our website blastpointspodcast.com it's probably the best place if you want to search through back episodes and after that make sure you follow us on instagram twitter and Facebook, and if you're on Facebook, make sure you're in the Super Chill group where there's a lot of Mandalorian talk going on. And if you want to support the show in some different way, we have got the Blast Points Army on Patreon. We just had a commentary for Strange Magic that went up sometime around last weekend or so. We're going to have another special episode on the Patreon about a week or so after this comes out. 
And then in November, December, nonstop Mandalorian madness. It's going to be a lot of fun talking Mando every week as the, the air gets cooler, but our blood gets hotter as we barrel towards the season two finale. But that about wraps up episode number 236 here. The legacy of the Ewok movies. Again, thank you, Talking Bay 94. Thank you, Nikki Patello. Thank you, everyone that sent in those amazing voice messages. We've got one more Ewok Movie Month episode to go. And also, next week is Saga Year. So what does that mean? Is it a combo episode? You have to you have to listen and see. It's all right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. May the force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you. episode <laughs> it's good may the force be with all of you